So welcome to episode one of the Attack of the B-Movie podcast. I am your host, John. For now, I'm the only host. I'm planning on um, inviting some people or auditioning for people and seeing if anyone wants to uh, join up and help, um, maybe even help with some articles and stuff. Anyways, today we are going to go over and review the 1991 quote-unquote sci-fi thriller Brain Twisters. Brain Twisters is directed by Jerry Sanguiliano and written by him also. I'm not going to say his name again because I totally destroyed it there. Um, And it stars Farrah Fork, Terry Laundrie, Joe Lombardo, Donna Bostany, Ella Thompson, Shira McComb, Heather Ann Barkley, um, numerous other people that I don't remember much about because they were really lower on the food chain in this movie. So... The basic premise of the movie is not actually too bad. It's not the, um, it's not you know an Oscar-worthy movie by any stretch of the means. But basically, uh, it focuses on a college professor who uses his students. Let me think for a second. He's um, he's teaching. It's got something to do with um. Well, basically, it. it I don't want to say it's mind control, but it kind of is. I don't remember exactly what he teaches, to be honest. I, I just I watched it about two weeks ago, and I should have took better notes, and I, I didn't. But that'll get better as we go on. Basically, what he does with the students is he puts them in what appears to be a depra- uh, sensory deprivation tank, except there's a monitor in it. And on this monitor, there are flashing images, uh, lines, patterns, that kind of thing. And then at the end of the experiment, they, they come out and... They're supposed to be fine. But uh, when the movie starts, we see a woman, a young woman jogging down the down the road in typical 80s fashion, late 80s, early 90s. She has got the big cassette tape Walkman with her. She's jogging down the road, and then we see a car heading towards her. And it cuts between the, her and the car and her and the inside of the car, and the same music's on, which, of course, you figure that's just, you know, for the movie. The guy driving the car hits her and murders her. Yeah, he runs her down, deliberately runs her down. You can tell it's deliberate. So we flash forward to, uh, well, I guess it's not really forward. It's probably not too far after this incident, to Dr. Philip Rothman's class. And Dr. Rothman is the professor who's doing these experiments on people. And uh, throughout the movie, different students volunteer, and we see them all go into some level of psychosis. I believe the first one we see is a boy, a young man and his girlfriend. I don't remember if he how he ended up in the experiment, though. But he had this treatment done to him. He drops her off at her apartment. She says she's busy. He can't come in. She'll see him tomorrow. And we find out later he's he murders her. We find her roommate comes back. She's murdered. And we find out later that it's him. Basically, the police detective played by... Um, Frank, uh, Joel Lombardo, I think the detective's name is Frank Turry. Frank Turry shows up and says, well, can you point out, can you, you know, I need to get a hold of the boyfriend to let him know what happened. Do you know where he is? And her roommate says no. I believe her roommate is uh, Laurie Stevens, um, played by Farrah Fork. And um, I think it's, I think that's who it is. I mean, this movie had a revolving door of 80s B-movie I don't even know if there would be a movie. This, to me, this might qualify as my elusive C movie because this clearly looks like it was shot on a VHS tape <laughs> like camcorder. It, it, I've, I mean, there's been made-for-TV movies that were higher quality. 
So, but uh, we'll get to that a little more later. So anyways, the police detective and her roommate go to the restaurant the next day where the gentleman works. And the police detective pulls him on the side and says, your girlfriend was just murdered. You know, where were you last night? And the kid freaks out. Like, he starts pushing people out of the way, and he's running, and he jumps out of a two-story building, out of a two-story window. I don't know why the Italian restaurant in the college town's on the two, on the second story, or if it was supposed to be the cafeteria. I think it's supposed to be a restaurant, because he was dressed like a waiter, and he was a waiter. So, that was a little surprising, because I don't know why you would have it that way. But, they did. So, throughout the time, and let me clear something. I got this movie on a um, one of those... 50 sci-fi greats that I talked about on the website, I got it on there. And there's some good movies on there, but I I never had seen this one. You know, it had your classic early 90s, late 80s, cheap ray trace kind of graphics for the visuals when they showed it. So then there's another girl who, another woman, young woman, who is having troubles in class and goes to see this uh, Dr. Philip Rothman. So anyways, she um, she's not doing real well in the class, She goes to see the professor, and she offers, quote-unquote, extra credit. And by extra credit, it's implied sexual favors of some sort. And he gets he acts a little flirty. Not really, because we'll get into the acting on this one later. But he acts a little flirty, and he um, pretty much tells her that she is not smart enough to be in school and shouldn't be there, which is a fantastic professor. So um, she, uh, let's see. Let me think here a second. Like I said, it's been a while since I watched it. It's been a couple weeks. So he tells her about the experiment and says, if you, pr- if you come to my office and participate in this experiment, then I'll, you know, I'll give you the extra credit. Um, we also find out that the woman whose roommate was murdered works for him as um, maybe an administrative assistant or, or lab assistant kind of, kind of thing. She doesn't really seem to know what he's working on, but that he's a genius in, and a pioneer in his field. So we all know how that goes. So the police detective starts to investigate the murder, obviously, and he tries talking to her again, and she's having nothing to do with it because she's upset. And he uh, goes to the police department and asks about the autopsy, and they say, we don't have the body anymore. Philip Rothman has the body. He had all the proper releases for it. Police, the police officer, of course, would be surprised by this because why would the professor have rights to this kid's body? So he goes and he argues with him a little bit, and the guy tells him he, he left, you know, it's in my, it's my prerogative, or it's basically he let me, he signed waivers or whatever, let me take him if he, anything happened to him. So uh, the detective gets, oh, whatever the proper paperwork is, gets the body back, finds out that the professor has cut the head off the boy, the young man, and said that that's really all he needed anyway. So they get it back to the morgue, and... Probably within hours, Dr. Philip Rothman's back again with more paperwork saying how they need to release the body. So this, of course, is much more suspicious. And, you know, late 80s, early 90s, I kind of guessed where this was kind of heading already. Rothman's research is part of, is being done for a video game company, uh, much like in Halloween 3, I want to say. And... um I said I'll, I say um a lot. Sorry about that. I'll work on that for the next one. So he, his work is for a video game company to help make games more immersive. They say, 
Well, let's be honest. In reality, it's probably a government-funded project through this software company as a shadow, as a shadow thing. So he, uh, you know, he finds out, you know, that this boy died or whatever. The detective starts doing more research, and in the meantime, the girl that was doing the extra credit for him starts becoming, like, she knows something's wrong with her. And uh, actually, no, before that, there's another one that dies, I want to say, too. But I don't remember. I think, don't remember how she dies. She's with the lab. She's with her friend, the lab assistant. Uh, she's with her friend, um, Lori, I want to say it is. And um, they're at a pool, and they're talking. And she says how she um, she doesn't feel right anymore, like something's wrong. She can sense something's wrong with her. And her friend, ever since she started doing these experiments with him, and the friend says, oh, don't worry about it. I'm sure you're fine. I don't sense anything. I don't feel anything. So she, they all, they all go, her, those two, and let's see, there's a third girl and a guy. I know there's a guy. He says he'll take them out to lunch or dinner or whatever, and they go for a ride in his car, and he goes to the car wash. And in the car wash, she's staring out the window at all the things moving back and forth, and she has, like, it triggers whatever Rothman is doing to her, right? So when they get out of the car wash, she jumps out of the car, and she's screaming, and she runs, and I, she dies, and I don't remember how, though. I'm sorry to say, I, I don't. Obviously, very memorable scenes and very memorable movie. So... The detective on, starts doing more digging and finds out more about Rothman and finds out that more of his students have committed suicide or murdered people, all these, all these things leading up to it. And then when they find this girl dead, he says to Rothman, oh, that's what it is. She's at a party. There's like a frat or sorority party. She's at a party. She's in the bathroom, and she starts having... She starts sent, like... She gets triggered. I don't remember how. But she gets triggered... She goes downstairs in like her bathrobe and she stabs the guy that she was with earlier at the car wash and kills him and his friend. Then she snaps out of it, drops the knife, runs outside, and gets arrested. And the um, the detective's there and says, "So is this still a coincidence? You know, two of your students now." And the doctor at this point's starting to wonder what's going on, and he he blatantly says, "I I, I don't know." And he's visibly rattled, which is very surprising that I picked up him being vis- vis- visibly rattled because, um, sorry, Terry Laundere, but I, I've never seen such an emotionless, stiff actor. And I, I mean, I like bad movies. I mean, Space Mutiny, I think, is a great movie for as horrible as it is. Stuff like that. This set a new bar for me. Like I said, this is like sea level. This is, you know, if there was nudity, it would have qualified for like a Skinamax ep- movie or. Maybe like a Up All Night with Rhonda back in the day movie. Probably was on Up All Night with Rhonda, to be honest. I should really look, at, look into that or something like that. So the police detective then goes to the station at some point. And he, um, oh, Rothman calls the software company and says, how come you didn't tell me about this kid committing suicide? And how come you didn't you know, tell me about this? They played dumb, and he sees through it and says, no, you knew, you knew this happened. And um, I think he pretty much says he's closing down the experiment, to be honest. And uh, so the police detective obviously still wants to solve the case and see what's going on because he doesn't know any of this yet. And he goes and he goes. To the, he's, at his, he's at his desk and the police chief comes out after talking to two men in suits and tells him that the investigation's over, that those men have very powerful friends and the investigation's over. 
Hence why I said there must be a, it's got to be a government tie, right? I mean, why else, how else would that happen? So he, he, of course, doesn't give up because then there wouldn't be a movie. He starts talking to the girl, convinces her something's up. She starts looking through, she's working with Rothman one day and there's an, and he senses something's wrong. There's like an ice cream truck outside and he says, oh, would you like some ice cream? And she's like, sure, I'll take whatever, you know, you think I should, you know, she says vanilla at first. And he kind of criticizes her for not being, you know, adventurous. And she says, okay, give, well, get me whatever you think then. So he goes down and she starts looking through the lab. And she finds notebooks that have all these just scribblings in them of, you know, murder and kill and all this stuff from all these other people. So now she knows that this guy's not, you know, on the level. And something he's doing is actually hurting people. And he probably knows it. In the meantime, we find out that that other girl who was doing the extra credit for him has been going herself to the lab and doing stuff. So at the climax of the movie, I'll skip ahead a little bit. There's a little bit. You find out the uh, the software guys are are following Rothman. Um, the detective is at Lori's house for dinner, and she, the um, they trigger her trying to get her to kill him, and she doesn't. But she snaps and like doesn't want him around anymore and kicks him out. So he leaves, and uh, Rothman is in his lab, and he the the software guy that we saw, the head of the company or the chairman, whatever, shows up and there's he shoots him and kills Rothman. Well, prior to that happening, the girl that wanted the extra credit was in the lab and he didn't know and she was in the in the tank and performing the experiment on herself, got out and murdered her boyfriend. So when Rothman gets shot and killed, the old man that shoots him gets in his car and in the rearview mirror the woman pops up and she murders him. She, we find out she goes back to the lab. In the meantime, the detective gets a call from, oh, I'm, I, I skipped a part. Rothman tries killing Lori, and then he snaps out of it and leaves. So she calls the detective. He comes flying back. She's fine. They get in the car. They go to his, his um, office, find him dead and blood everywhere. And uh, they get attacked by the crazed girl, her friend. Well, co co student, co ed, whatever. And she, um, how does what happens? I think it just kind of ends. Those scenes kind of end there. Like they go out of a door, they shut the door, and you see her. They think she's dead, and you see her pop back up and like hit the glass window. And I think that's where it cuts away. And it cuts away to a kid playing a video game that has an army soldier with the like same images they saw in the tank rotating around in front of him called brain twisters. And his mom goes, are you coming down for dinner? And he's real like angry and violent. And he's like, I'll be down in a minute. And it zooms out of his window and shows his house. And then that, that's it basically saying, well, he's dead, but the, the research made it into the game. And you know, this is what it's doing. So, I know that synopsis wasn't perfect, but believe me, you didn't miss a whole lot. To me, on a on a scale of one to say five, I'm going to do these on the the plot, the basic plot line, not the writing, but the story idea. I'll give it three and a half. It's been done before. I mean, like I said, Halloween three did it kind of, and I've seen it in other stuff and read it in other things. But it's an interesting concept to me if done right. People, you know, just it's almost like hypnosis, right? 
you don't know if it you don't know if it can happen, but you really don't want to find out. But I think it um I think the the basic premise wasn't bad. Uh <laughs> the direction that's no, that that's like a one and a half. I mean the acting like a one and a half. I mean the overall movie itself is really like a two. It, it, for me, it was worth the watch. It's only an hour and a half. I think I, I had it on and I was kind of cleaning at the time, but you know, I had it where I could watch it. And um, I can't say I hated watching it. And there were a few actors in it that I kind of like looked familiar, but I couldn't place. And maybe it's just because they just have that look, you know, where they kind of look like other act. They kind of look like they've been around a while. But you know, of course, I did a little research too, and. Some of the, some of the, you know, some of the actors and actresses had done other stuff. The woman that played, um, what was her name? Well, Farrah Fork. Farrah Fork, uh, she was in, oh, let's see, she was in Batman Beyond, I found out, for a couple episodes. A TV series called Mr. Rhodes, which I never watched. She was in, um, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman for a while. She was on the TV show Wings for a long time, actually playing Alex Lambert. So she she had a career after. I can't say that it was like... I want to say Brain Twisters was only her first or second film ever. So, I mean... But, I mean, most of what she did outside of TV was B-movie stuff, C-movie stuff, it looks like. Nothing... You know, like I said, Justice League Unlimited, she played a voice... She did a voice, Batman Beyond. Nothing, and she was in Party of Five a little bit. But nothing too, you know... I don't think... I don't really think it was anything too earth-shattering. I mean, I think she's known for a movie called Kate's Addiction I've never heard of. I'm pretty sure the lead guy, Terry Laundere, Dr. Philip Rothman, was only in one or two other things. Yeah, he, he was only in two other movies. Sculpture One, which was a short film, and then The Work and the Glory. I'm not really sure what he did after that or what became of him. I, I haven't really looked it up. I do a segment on... I do a segment of... Um, of... Uh, articles on the website though where i talk about old b and c movie actors so maybe one day i'll do a little research and he'll be one of them frank Tur- detective frank turry the other main character joe lombardo joe lombardo another guy just i've i've heard the name before but uh let's see he was in please don't eat the babies never heard of it deadly reactor never heard of it now this is interesting though he's playing frank turry again in a movie called fractals now I'm guessing maybe that's uh it's actually Jerry's it's the same director and writer. Same story. Farrah Forks in it also, along with Terry Laundere. It's from twenty thirteen. Uh, a college professor conducting computer generated mood altering experiments discovers they produce bizarre and dangerous side effects. It sounds like a complete remake of his uh his first the first one. So I don't know. I don't know if I want to... It's a lot shorter. It's an hour and ten minutes. I'll probably check that out at some point just because. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's out yet. It says completed. So, yeah, that, that that's Brain Twisters. It, it came in one of those 50 packs. There's actually a couple of good movies in there, too. But this one was... Uh, it was interesting. It just suffered from so many... Sh- not even budget-wise. It just... His acting was just so bland. It was just... <laughs> Very vanilla, and he showed virtually no emotion. I think the most emotion they he showed was when he was at a bar, and he got triggered by the music and the lights at the bar, 
and he clocked the guy with a bottle, and then that's when he went to kill. Um, that's when he went to kill Laurie, but you know didn't didn't do it. So, um, lots of ums in there. I'm gonna try cutting some of those out, so you probably won't hear any of this. But thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. They'll get better over time. I am looking for a co-host, preferably somebody in the Chicagoland area. Would be nice, someone with a car. Maybe not someone you know that doesn't mind coming out to where I where I record. So it's a lot easier to record in person. I've done Skype podcasts before, and they're okay, but they never sound as good. So um, you can contact me through the. You can just leave leave a message on our Facebook page. So um, thanks for listening, and uh, again, hope you enjoyed it. Bye.